0: Don the Predator Fry. We're the United States of America. We're the toughest people ever walked this planet. It has to be Frank Mir. If you ask, do you feel bad you broke the person's arm? I'm like, no. Chill, son. If you want to manipulate the system, first thing you have to do is understand the system. Jason Mayhem Miller. It was the worst experience of my life. Almost as bad as being on this show. It's time to knuckle up and throw down. And welcome to In This Corner with Cyrus Fees. We have one awesome episode for you. It is with the first ever, the inaugural UFC lightweight champion, Jen's little evil, Pulver. That's happening right here on this episode. And if you don't know about Jen's Pulver, if you only saw him fight, then you don't know the backstory. And I'm telling you folks, get a Kleenex ready because this dude has been through it all. And he gets very emotional. He gets very raw. And it was not by intention, it just happened. And probably a top two or three interview for me just because of the way we connected and how we just dug into the good stuff with Jens. I want to thank everybody that has been listening to In This Corner, that has been downloading and subscribing. Truly appreciate it. Make sure you tell your friends about it. Write a review on whatever podcast app you are using. Or throw a comment up on YouTube, preferably not one of the real horrendous, nasty type, but uh, put a comment out there. You can find us at In This Corner MMA on all your social media platforms. I'm at Cyrus the Show. But it's not about me, it's about Jens Pulver. And let me tell you how we got here. You know, Jens Pulver was definitely a guy that was on my list. When I came into making this show, making this podcast, I always loved what Jens Pulver brought to the table. And really, my first experience is when he was in WEC after his UFC run, and he was having, you know, the uh, Uriah Faber fights and uh, just going down that road and going through those awesome, exciting fighters that were in WEC. And of course, those lighter weight fighters that would go on to be some of the most electrifying fighters to ever grace the UFC cage. And he was one of the pioneers that made all that happen. So I tracked down Jens, we made the interview happen. Big shout out to Brian Butler, Al, a guy that I've stayed friends with over the years. I believe we met in the XFC. He runs Sucker Punch, and he's been Jens' manager for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I got up with Jens, and we just had a great rapport. We had a great talk, and he's an Iowa guy. Obviously, he's been living in Iowa for a long time, and I'm an Iowa guy, so of course we had that. Then we find out that we're both married to nurses, so we had that going on, and uh, we just really vibed. And, and the thing about Jens is I knew that he had, uh, you could say tragic. He's had a tragic backstory. And when you talk about his childhood, it was very, very rough. But I didn't want to get into that. I wanted to keep it very light. I try to keep my interviews, for the most part, very light. But sometimes they get a little heavy, and this one got a little heavy. But just some of the things we're going to talk about, you know, we talk about the UFC run and, and the BJ Penn fights, of course, and his time in the UFC. And if he's going to be a UFC Hall of Famer, what that means Then him, we talk about street beefs, we talk about his childhood. Wow. It's, it's just a great interview and I hope you appreciate it. And why are we still talking about it? Just me and you. Let's get right into the podcast and let's go to it. It is Jen's little evil pulver right here on in this corner. And let's just go through some accolades real quick, and we'll dive right in. A 16-year vet of mixed martial arts, first ever UFC lightweight champion. Incredible feuds. Of course, BJ Penn, Uriah Faber come to mind. We saw him in the UFC, Pride, WEC, 1FC, product of the Lion's Den and Militich fighting system. Presumptive, I would imagine, has to be future UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, You can find him on Twitch doing his thing all the time at twitch.tv. Backslash Jens Pulver, which gives it away. It's Little Evil, Jens Pulver. Jens, how you doing, my man? I'm good. How you doing? How you doing? Sorry, I'm having technical difficulties, but I just landed here at my manager's house, and
1: so yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm here now.
0: I'm in. Awesome, dude. <laughs> awesome, man. What? Well, I'm happy to have you here, man. And uh, it. uh you. obviously, you know this uh this show, my show, sprung up out of the pandemic. So that's affecting everybody still to this day as we're filming here. It's about a year strong, it seems like. Um, with that being said, how did that affect you um, You know, and, and all that, man? Talk how the pandemic's been for you and your family.
1: You know, it's been – I think <sighs> – um, I don't like that it messes with our kids, you know I right? It messes with my kids, you know, and that was my biggest thing. Whatever it does, you know, I can handle it when it comes to the fighting world and things like that, but I just don't want it to mess with my children. The whole, You know what I mean? And yeah. I think the biggest thing was they go to school two times out of the week sometimes, every, and every other Friday, so sometimes three times out of the week yeah. and then the rest of the time they're home. That changed a little bit, but really what's near and dear to me is my wife is an ICU nurse, so she's wow. on the front line. So she's I been doing this and taking care of you know patients from day one and it's it's one of those things that I'm lucky that I get to stay home because I want to be around my children and so with this you know it's been it's been it's yeah I don't know touch go. I'm very excited because I get to be at home I get to be around my children of course my wife's been but you have to do
0: virtual learning
1: Yes, and then I'm learning the virtual side, which is okay. Because but the problem is now all of a sudden I'm becoming a student. I'm like, wait, I don't know if I was that. I wasn't that good in class. Like I I tell everybody all the time is my GPA was based on whatever kept me eligible to wrestle. That's what I (laughs) was at right. And next you know I got a college degree because of it. But I think more than anything, it it hasn't been that bad for us. In fact, I think it's been it's it's probably been it's it's been okay, right? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have definitely gotten having to deal with a lot more, but yeah, having a wife that she's been really busy, you know what I'm saying? But I get to be around my children, which I love more than anything in the world, you know, but like I said, I'm I'm ready for them to be able to go back to school. I know they miss it. I know they love full time. So, you know, but I can't complain because there's a lot of people probably more worse off than of where we were, but it's definitely been a, uh, it's been a weird ass year. Pardon my language.
0: No, it certainly has. And I, and I'm right there with you. You and I have a lot in common because my wife is a, is a nurse as well. She's an RN. And um, she's worked the COVID unit since March, um, yeah. exclusively uh, on night shift. So she's seen where it's been really, really slow. And then obviously, I'm in Tennessee right now, so it is burning hot where I live. I mean, we're yeah. talking just cases coming out. I'm in so
1: an Iowa, and they talk about the same thing. Iowa, the same. Oh deal. yeah, you know, yeah when,
0: absolutely. With
1: the winter is starting to freeze, so she's been, like I said, it'll have a little bit of a, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of taper a little bit, but then next, you know, there, you know, it's getting really, really busy again. And she yeah. works nights as well. So that's another thing that's really key about trying to figure out how to, what am I supposed, how am I going to be at home? I can't have my children raised by babysitters. I can't go yeah. around and travel. You know what I mean? And things like that. They're, they killed the gyms more, excuse me, more or less. So yeah. it's like, Kind of like what you did, I took on Twitch, which has helped me immensely. It's given me something to do, and I get to do what I love, which is be around my children. So yep. it it hasn't been that bad. Like I said, knock on wood, we've been doing okay with it. So for me, yeah, no complaining. But yeah, it's been up and down, kind of with the, with you know, it's really bad right now, and yeah. then at times you know. So no, I get it,
0: man. I have. Uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I've I've always respected what my wife does. But I have such a newfound or just more of an immense respect for nurses now, like I find myself like defending nurses and like getting on a pedestal all the time for my wife because they work their asses off like just well, ridiculous bro it's crazy
1: well, and not only that is see one of the things and I had it happen to me on the uh in the the fourth of July, and there's one of the things where were they, we got invited to a a get together, yeah. and when we were going um I figured everybody knew what my wife did. I figured they knew that she was a nurse, you know, whatever. And then one lady's like, wait, she what? Oh, my. And then she got all freaked out and, you know, I mean, grabbed up everything and took off. Like, she was so worried about wow. quote-unquote COVID, you sure. know, what I mean, all this stuff that she packed up with stuff and left. And it was the first time I was like, wow. Wow. You're just going to make us feel like that. So we literally had to kind of just pick up all of our 4th of July things, you know what I mean? And we'll just go home because I didn't want them, everybody being all, but it's all the things. But your wife does what? Say, like, hey, thank you for your quote unquote service. But oh my God, you do. Wow. You're really right in front of me now. All of a sudden, see ya. And it was the first time we ever had to, like, literally, we had to just pack up our stuff and leave because yeah. everybody was starting to feel uncomfortable. And so that kind of broke me. I said, look, I'll tell you what's never going to happen. You'll never put me in a situation like that again because you know how it is. I mean, I'm a fighter first. And I started thinking, like, you're going to try to belittle me, belittle my wife. You're going to talk to yeah. us like that. I, it's like I, there was a part of me that got really, really – I got upset, you know. And so I was like, you know yeah. what? That's it. I'm done. And that was one of those things. So I was like, you know what? We just stay at home. And luckily we get along really well. And I love my children. (laughs) We have a lot of fun at the house. You know what I mean? We just do a lot. We're we're pretty much homebodies anyways. So it wasn't that bad, but that was one of those situations where I was like, you know, and I'm not trying to say, Oh, poor me, because I know there's a lot of people that go through a lot of things. exactly like that on all kinds of scenarios. And it's one of those things that I was like, wow. You know, and I was like, you know what? So it just kind of breaks you. You're like, you know, I'm just going to stay home. And that's when it's in this pandemic. Well, I'm always afraid to go somewhere because all of a sudden someone kind of gets up. <coughs> your wife says, what next time? I'm like, don't even start trying to come up with a cough now, man. Just quit. I don't want to hear this. You know, don't even try. Man. <laughs> so that's
0: funny, man. It's
1: just better off. Like I said, and it's like, hey, give you. Uh, thank you very much for your service. You know what I mean? I appreciate you being on the front lines. but. <coughs> I went, oh. Wait, you're coming over? No, nah, I don't know if you can do that. So, it's oh, more, yeah. so yeah, it's definitely, it's tough on everybody. Everybody has a different way of dealing with it, you know, and so it's just, like I said, it's just been a learning experience probably for the entire year for almost everybody, yeah?
0: Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. Everybody's dealing with their own situation, for sure. My wife likes it because she can wear her scrubs going to the grocery store or Walmart nobody will get near her ass to <laughs> give her exactly. all the space. oh my
1: god dude we're here because she's like she had to come home and change I'm like what she was, everybody looks at her differently when she <laughs> I'm like oh my god just I'm loving them. I'm like please put them on just 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 do it I go come on you gotta say no you know I'm like dang it go out there I go give me the scrubs I'm like luckily she's tiny so I can't fit in them it'll look really ridiculous so I was one of them but I'm like oh my god give me some scrubs I'll go walking around and watch people like hey thank you for your service oh <laughs>
0: and take off running, I love it. It's <laughs> crazy, man. Well, you know, one one thing that's happened uh, out of the pandemic, and I don't know if this is a good, bad thing or whatever, is uh, Jake Paul and Logan Paul are fighting, man, these YouTubers. And I, and you're part of this streaming community, and I just want to hit on this just real quick. I don't know if you saw this, uh, and by the time this airs, it will air three, four weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, I believe it was Jake Paul calling out Connor McGregor after knocking out Nate Robinson. You saw this. What do you think of these these guys coming from that realm, coming from being streamers? And there's been other YouTubers that have done it now that want to fight all of a sudden and they just want to jump straight directly in uh, to combat sports. Uh, you being a guy that was there kind of in the golden era, kind of a trailblazer. Um, what do you make of that whole situation?
1: Well, you know, I mean, uh, let's see. All right. I'm I'm to do this. You know, the one thing is, I know they've done some boxing and, and you yeah. know, they've kind of moved on from, I don't know much about what made them very, it's, as big as they are on the yeah. YouTube platform. But one thing I do know is I'm pretty impressed with the idea. Because think about it. You got Conor McGregor boxing the probably found pound greatest boxer to ever put on gloves. Yeah. And he got to do it. You have these cards we just got to see where Jake Paul was on the card with. The Legends fight of Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr.
0: Well, then CM <laughs> Punk. CM Punk went directly into the UFC. Like I mean, CM
1: Punk, but what, but because of the YouTube, what what people have found, and it's probably a catch twenty two. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Everybody can now be your own producer. Everybody can now all that time you always wanted to have your own content. Or oh, if this could ever oh, yeah. become a show, this would take off. Or if this could become a show, I would this could do this. You know, what I mean, you always had to give kind of away to Hollywood or you know, producers, yeah. whatever. It was. But now you have a different platform. And these two have done an amazing job with their platform. And they have, whether you like it or not, the, the craft contrast, what they gotta say and shit sometimes part of my language. Yeah. But no, you know, right. I mean that's what made them who they are. And at the end of the day, they can generate numbers. And they can okay. generate the kind of numbers that is making Mayweather go, Okay, I'll box you. Really? I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, and it's kind of like well, you could probably if Connor wasn't right in the middle of a fight with Poirier. he's like, These kind of numbers, I could I would definitely do something like this. Where you can get Dana White to sit there and actually go, you know what? I'll give you this champion instead of this champion because you do. Amanda generous. Nunes. He offered like, up Amanda like, hey, Nunes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <But> that's what <laughs> that I'm makes sense. But, that's
0: even better numbers. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's nuts,
1: but again, I'm not, yeah, so it's, yeah, but that's my point, but it gets them to listen, so here you went from, no, you don't have to go through this entire amazing amateur background like a Lomachenko or a Mayweather into the Olympics to build your name so that you can get picked up by a producer and then I mean, a promoter, sorry. And then off you go and you start having this career, you know, I'm like that. You can fast track. If you have the support, you have the numbers. That's what YouTube is. YouTube has become that place. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. But YouTube has become that place where you can develop your own show, what you love to do, what you always thought would be the best show out there in the world. Now, here you go do it yeah and the numbers that generate so they literally have catapulted themselves right to that top level look who they're calling out you know what i'm saying if i was a two and o boxer in the boxing realm it'd be asinine people would start laughing and giggling of but like i said because they have what they have as far as with the youtube following the numbers they can generate i mean that's all i mean good on them i love the idea right but sure. at the end of the day when it comes to skill set i mean i'm 45 years old I would giggle. And I would, I said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. I wouldn't even give, I would deliberately give up weight. I wouldn't even gain weight. I would weigh 150 pounds. And if you really think you want to do something like that, by all means, I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years, won a world title. And at 45, I'd smash you. I'd smash you. You know what I'm saying? But, if you want to find out, I'm just saying, and the reason why I'm saying, it, I'm not trying to add me into it, but what I'm saying is no, no. now you're trying to ask people like Conor McGregor and you ask the people that are fighting and have been fighting. You're just, like you said, you're just getting into it. These people have been doing it, winning world titles. You're calling out champ champs. And I get it. I get why you're doing it. And it makes sense because you can generate numbers. By, like I'm, I was, gents could even, I couldn't even begin. And that's what I'm saying. It's almost comical. I could yeah. even, well, yes, even though, technically i'm like i would i would destroy you but i don't have the it's all about numbers right everything's a numbers game and they got the numbers game that makes it yeah okay whatever little guy get away you know i mean it's kind of like what what um I'm, all, I'm trying to, because it's kind of like what Connor said back then, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> right. But that's what, yeah. I mean, they're like, look, I don't care what you won back in the day. You, you, yeah. you, you know what I mean? You're trying to just be relevant again. But my point is, I love that they can build like that. I love that. The platform is out there, so more power to them.
0: I, you know, I'll be honest. I, I've i always taken this, uh, this stance on it. When I hear about the CM Punk thing, I everybody got bent out of shape about Uh, CM Punk, especially your MMA, your hardcore fans, and a lot of the the fighters as well got all tore up that he went straight into the UFC. I personally look at it this way. I mean, if you get to be on the same card as a CM Punk or a lot of the shows that Bellator does where they get these WWE guys, whatever. If you get to be on that same card of this one of these fights, it might be a little outlandish. Think about all the eyes that are going to be on you if you're on the undercard. You know what I mean? Like I don't really think of it as you're taking somebody's spot as in, you know, I mean, with UFC, it doesn't matter how many spots they have. They don't have 200, a hard cap of spots. I mean, they can add or subtract as many guys as they want and they do it all the damn time. So he's not taking anybody's spot. He's bringing more attention to the sport. Uh, If you had a big knockout on the same card as CM Punk, then you're going to get a hell of a lot of eyes on you. You're going to get a lot of attention. I don't really see as it, taking somebody's spot or, or really jump in line. I think it's just this guy works his ass off to be a good wrestler or a good YouTuber or whatever, and he got so big that he was able to command a situation like that and say, listen, I want to fight for the UFC, and the UFC has to at least respect, uh, you know, that request. I think that's pretty cool shit. I, th- I think you and I kind of have the same feeling on that.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, he generated the numbers, and he was the best at what he did. It's like Brock coming over. Yeah. Brock managed it. But see, the difference was Brock had a phenomenal amateur wrestling background. He was a great yeah. wrestler. A lot of people kind of forgot that because of the whole WWE, WWF background. You know, that's yeah. how a lot of people knew him. And he was able to come in there and really wake up, wake up the eyes of the heavyweight division, and he won a belt. Yeah. So the one thing you've got to give to CM Punk is, and the same thing you've got to give to the Paul brothers and all that is the same thing. is they, In their field, they've done very, 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 very well. And so when you want to start realizing about these crossover spots and little things like that, why would you grab somebody who's never done it or grab somebody who's at the top? And then now you get to bring that kind of traction over. You get to bring those people. Over. You're not taking anybody's spot. What you're doing is, you, like you said, you're creating a whole different brand. And you don't, like I said, you see how happy Jake Paul is to be on the undercard of Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. He's not mad. You know what I'm saying? He's not mad at all because here's the thing. We were all happy to see Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. You know what I mean? But you got to be on that undercard and it had to be about numbers. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You're not there. – I'm sure there are plenty of boxers who had to go, like you said, have gone – You know, like we were saying, have to go through this huge amateur background. They've been at it for 20 years trying to build all this stuff. It's kind of what made Nate mad at the one point. You're taking everything I've worked my whole life for and this and that because you have – but the attention. The yeah. fans love who the fans love. And if you can bring the numbers, you automatically have a position of power that a lot of people, they're trying to get to where you're at, like it or love it. I mean, that's just fact. You can't make that's people it. love you. You can't make people hate you. I mean, they just do what they're going to do.
0: That's it, man. Sometimes you just got to look at it as like, that, that's your reality, man. Accept it. Know what it is. It's a fight game, man. And, and you get tore up about, you know, having a ranking system, which I think is crazy anyway, because you don't really honor it you have a ranking system, and then people get mad because these guys, because they make these super fights and they make these fights that people want to see that make money, but this is the reality of it. I mean, you yeah. either get on board or don't get on board. I mean, it, it is what it is, man. If you don't have a character, you don't want to talk shit, um, you know, you don't want to try to sell a fight, you can't expect to be you know, co-main or main on one of these cards. It's not going to happen. I mean, yeah. and if you do pull off 12, 13 wins in a row like a John Fitch or something like that, the first time you mess up, you're gone. I mean, the, as soon as he gets that opening, I had Sean Shirk on here. Um, just like last week, we interviewed Sean Shirk. Sean Shirk had this incredible run, won the title. First time he lost, they ditched his ass. You know what I mean? Like Dana said, bye. You know what I mean? Like you you have to. If you don't want to have that character, you better win a lot of damn fights. That's well, it.
1: Look, at, look at Demetrius Johnson. The greatest perfect, fighter perfect of all example. time. No yeah. numbers. No gimmick. no, But he
0: just beat you with
1: skill. A quiet set. Didn't talk smack. And I'm not saying everybody has to talk smack because it doesn't work for everybody. You know yeah, what I mean? There's, there's, It's not so much that. But look at Hamzat Chimia. The man shows up with his fight. He's got his fight apparel on him because he just might jump in and fight right now. I mean, just <laughs> yeah. everybody does things. You can back it up with skill. You can back it up with talk. You know what I mean? Connor walked into this thing, and it was what he did has really crossed over a lot of situations, but he's knocked out people that he, you know, I mean, he just, he's done amazing things. He's backed it up. There's nobody can, you cannot hate on what that man has created, what he's generated, and what he's done. And I think with that though, that's one of those things is, again, it's not so much you have that. And I don't want to see people try to run around and have a gimmick either. You know, like yeah. some people try too hard and the fans will see that you're just, it, it, you're just Colby Covington. You that something that makes them want to watch. Yeah. And I tell people all the time is it's all about time. People giving you their time, and I tell people all the time, thank you so much because that's the one thing that no matter what, money can't buy it, and you always are going to wish you had more of it. And the fact that people will give you three, four, five, 15, 20 minutes of their time is the greatest gift in the world.
0: I'm not going to go too far back um, into the childhood stuff, but I do want to talk about, you know, real quick about wrestling, uh, because, you know, everybody that I've talked to that's grown up a wrestler, um, I grew up in Iowa as well. I live up in, uh, or I used to live up in Northwest Iowa and, uh, Rockwell city and Fort Dodge, that area up there. And
1: Fort Dodge wrestlers.
0: Yeah. Right. Re- you know, wrestling is I wrestled for one year and, uh, I wrestled just to get on my dad's good side. Cause he was a coach, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like it tore me up. It was like half my senior year and I got out of there. But, uh, anyways, I know it's such a hard sport and you get so much character from it. Uh, it seemed to kind of be your salvation as a kid. I watched some of the documentary of driven and, you, you talked about that and how wrestling was kind of like what you looked forward to in your whole life, you know, really with your childhood and stuff. Uh, talk about wrestling just a little bit and kind of what it did for you.
1: Saved my life. I mean, no, yeah. no, my fans and butts about it. it. Saved my life. And it was one of those things where, especially later on, as we were getting older, the, the things we we're going through. My, I got a brother served 55 years in prison yeah. and he stopped wrestling. I had a baby brother that's been my best friend forever. And he, he wrestled with me. And I'll always remember, especially my sophomore year when I won the state title and it was a big battle. I had this huge battle, me and a senior, he beat me the first two times. And then I came back and beat him in the regional finals and ended up beating him in overtime in the state finals. And I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget this. Um, when I ran from the mat, I ran upstairs to see my mom. See, I'll try to keep from crying. Uh, I ran upstairs to see my mom and I seen people high-fiving her, congratulating I see the tears in her eyes, the joy in my brother's eyes, you know, and I realized right then, I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is what I, this is how I'm going to, I'm going to show my mom how much I love her. I'm going to take us on a wild ride. This is what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? I'm going to give my family something to smile about. The downfall is my name is Jens Pulver. My father's name was Jens Pulver. And, I remember, you know, I always had wrestling. That was the one thing that saved me, kept me. Like It always got us out of the house on the weekends, even though they were held to pay on Sundays. We got back. You know, it was a place that my mom, no matter what, she made sure we got to those wrestling tournaments growing up. And it, what it did is now that I'm older and I think back about it, I think about the parents that, that jumped in and took care of us because – my mother worked at the racetrack and the horses, you know, they always want to be fed. They need to be worked out. They got to be taken care of every day. Yeah. So it's hard to find a day off. And there were people that literally would drive us these terms and sit there all day with us, you know, yeah. in the summer and, and as we were winning, we never lost, right? We weren't losing very often. And they would sit there and And I thought you know how incredible that was that people would do that for us. And but that's how I knew that that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Wrestling was the one way that I could go out there. I could show my mother, my brother, my coaches, my the, the people that supported us how much I love them by just giving it a hundred percent. Yes. It's very scary. Cause it's just you out there. And the part I love more than anything is I'm not on a team trying to be an individual. I'm not ripping off my helmet, do whatever I can to stand out above everybody else. I'm an individual trying to be on a team, whether that be on my family's team, my wrestling team, my friends, you know what I mean? I'm trying to be on a team and I'll go out there and do everything that I can and give you my best effort. And show you that that's how much I love and appreciate you. And when yeah. I seen that on her face and I seen that smile, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. I didn't think it was gonna be fighting at the time, but like I said, wrestling got me into college. And when I got into college, I wasn't I was experiencing life and running around a little bit, but I was still wrestling, what? junior college all American. And then all of a sudden, you know, I always felt like, boy, if I could punch. If I could just add hands into this wrestling, this would be something. And I knew about the UFC a little bit. And sure, you know, they said, hey, you want to do a fight? And I was like, yeah. So I used to be, I was the guy that would fight for videotapes. So people ask about my career. I tell them, VHS to Blu-ray. That was my career. I had I would literally fight for free, guys with 235 pounds, whatever it was. But I would go out there and I would fight them for free just because I was trying to build a videotape. Because I'm like, well, what am I going to do now that wrestling is over? And then I when I started doing that fight, I'm like, okay, this is it. And I took off to go be a world champion and change my name.
0: So you, so you were literally, so when you say fighting for video, say so you were literally like fighting to like build a reel. Is that basically what you're yeah. saying? Like well, kind I'm of putting good. a reel.
1: In fact, one time I had one of my roommates recording us and he had it so zoomed in. All you can see is basically my shorts and the other guy's shorts. I'm like, Oh my, I go, Oh my God, are you kidding me? I just <laughs> did that whole fight for nothing. And sure as shit, I had to call another fight together a week later. And I go, don't zoom no, in. No man. fight again. <laughs> That's how dumb it was. Like, I would go to gyms and fight. I would go, and mind you, there was no weight class, no time limit in the sport yet. And yeah. then finally, because of those videos of Lowell Anderson, I went up and trained with him. And they said, Well, we're going to go to this boss shooting invitational. And this yeah. Boston Invitational has John Peretti, who was the matchmaker for SEG, so he was the matchmaker for the UFC, and he was yeah. there with Boston, who was the heavyweight champ. And so you're going to go in there, and we're going to you're going to go up there, and you're going to this is how you, this is your chance. I fought They only had 170 pounds, no time limit. Next you know I'm in this Boston Invitational, trying to see if I can get in the UFC.
0: Oh man, there's there's something something magical about that, dude, and and it's and it's so different now. Obviously, it's so organized now and of course you have all the weight classes but there's something just so classic and so nostalgic and sick about the about the game back then that uh, I just miss it you know what I mean I really really do miss it I know it's not the best thing for the fighters I know it's not the best thing for athletes for the sport it would set the sport back yada yada I get it but there was something about that shit where it's a guy fighting somebody that was 60 pounds more than them That is that David and Goliath, that just different aspect that people want to see. People want to see that stuff. yeah. But can you see it, right? (laughs) You said to do underground, right?
1: Yeah, well, the problem is that's it. They try to make it underground. They Whatever the issues were, then they were calling it barbaric, you know, and stuff like that. I get it. And stuff like that. But that was, you know, because I still remember when I said, all right, you know what, I'm going to do this. So after I graduated Boise State University, I had a job at at, at a high school. I was going to be the head wrestling coach and stuff like that. And I went to the Boss Rudin and I remember the first time I got beaten the finals against this kid, David Harris, we went like 20 some minutes and he got me to heal. I didn't even worry. I was still in, like, literally I had my wrestling shoes, my socks, my shorts, and my t-shirt. The only difference between wrestling practice and the fight, I took my t-shirt off. I'm not kidding. I had no idea what I was doing. So I was trying yeah. to be exciting. So I remember sitting down with um, Peretti and I was sitting there talking And he said, look, you got to learn how to finish these fighters. And I said, okay. So I went back to the drawing board, trained for a couple months, went back to the boss route and threw down and knocked, I I knocked everybody out. And they're like, and I still remember saying like, all right, well now, now we're going to showcase, now we want to put you in here. We want to create this 155 pound division. Yeah. I remember sitting down with the principal and I was like, all right, well, I got to go train with somebody. So I'm going to go down to California and train with Bob Shamrock, you know, and and do yeah. this. And I remember talking to the principal and I just I mean, they picked me out of 20 out of 20 uh, applicants. And they just said, hey, you know, and I and it was I was there for about three months. I said, look, here's the deal. Um, I got this opportunity. I'm going to fight in the UFC. All right, well, let's see how you do. So I went out there and I fought in the UFC and I and I it was a I got my hand raised. And then 30 minutes later, they called it a draw. And I told her, I go, I'm addicted to this. I I really want to stick around and do this. And she looked at me, she said, Jens, I'll tell you what, life is short, but your athletic life is a sliver. It's a sliver. You can always come back. You can always talk to students. Go fill your book. You know what I mean? And I just, I shook her hand said, thank you very much. Packed up everything I had and off I went to go try to become the UFC world champion.
0: And the, that's why you fought until what 2013, right? And that would have been 2013, 2014. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's hard, hard to give that shit up, clearly, man. I, I totally understand. Um uh guys, there's so many places I want to bounce around to, man. Obviously, winning the championship was massive for you. I mean, to say the, the absolute least. Um, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Miletic. Uh, I've had Pat on here. Um, super cool guy. I work with Pat actually on the XFC. We actually call fights together on the prelims. Um that being said, I love Pat. Dude is such an interesting individual. I mean, at the least, and I've only known him for a short amount of time, but uh, I had that guy giving me the business uh, the night before the event, talking about politics and talking about this pandemic, and <laughs> just I don't even know how to explain what was going no, on. I don't. I don't. I don't do the politics.
1: I try. I stay away from them as much as. as but he's very, yeah. very, very. Passion. He's got. He's got. He's passion. One of the.
0: He's a kind person, though. He's a good person. Oh,
1: well, like, he's a good person, but he has his beliefs. And that's, oh, yeah. And again, when you go out there and you fight, it's hard to explain to people. Sometimes, you know, it's. I don't know. The only way that I could I've ever done it is it's kind of like being a zoo animal. You go out there, you flex for everybody. Ah, everybody knows about you. They break it down. They're always they're in your face, they're in your person, they know about they're looking for you. Like most people get pretty scared if you were telling them, Hey, I was Googling you the other day. They get freaked out, right? Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, no, evidently like there's Wikipedia. I've never even I don't even know somehow there I guess I'm a Wikipedia page. I didn't even know there was one. I never filled it out. I have no idea who does this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I you don't have any idea, but When it comes to Pat, you know that's one thing is he has his beliefs, and you know it's one of I think people forget really fast. This isn't always just an argument. Some of us, you know, there are certain things in life that you just can't mess with, and that's That's like for me. Don't let me catch you messing with the elderly. God, please don't let me see you beating on a woman. And if I see you doing anything to kids, and I'm privy, you know, I mean, I'm gonna turn into something that you don't want to see, Pat. He's more about the political belief, and it, it, it's pretty impressive. But
0: do not tread on Pat Militich, Just put it that when way. Don't no, no tread. You
1: can have a debate with him, but he's going to believe what he wants to believe. But that's also, think about where we came from in the fighting world. We were also, there were only legal in three states. Yeah, They didn't have my weight class. My mother was in tears when she found out I quit my job at the high school and gave up my career basically to go start a new career with yeah. no kind of security, no kind of, we don't even know if it's going to be here in three years, kept alive yep. on the internet, not even on TV. You're doing what I go, I'm chasing my dreams. i I got to go do this. i got to go fill my book. Cause at the end of the day, man, stories, I got to go fill my book. It's Cause that's all you're left with are your stories. Right. 100%. And I went to do it, but not everybody loves it. Pat like he was the pioneer he's the 170 pound champion he did it again same thing when it wasn't as big as people see it now this was when it was like you said typecasted human cockfighting one person called it you know what i mean like you just said they you had to be a prison thug to do this stuff you had to be a dumbass to do this you know and that was one of those things that everybody had their thing but you, back then and because it was so small you know you just had to we loved I loved going to the events because it was kind of like a reunion. It was the same group of people, you know what I mean? So there was something about it in the beginning, but that's what I love about Pat is he has his beliefs. He's been through enough in his life. And I guess, like, you know how – definitely when I was younger, like, why are you got to be the crabby old man? Like, I didn't like the crabby old men that were really (laughs) mad and cynical to youngsters, even though it wasn't me that messed your yard up. I didn't do any kind of graffiti. I didn't do this to you, but yet you're just – You're throwing me out there with all the rest of the youngsters, right? It's like you hate the youth or something like that. What? I'm not that, you know what I'm saying? But that's one thing. They just, they get salty. And I never understood why it was where people get salty later on in life, how they become that grumpy, quote unquote, old man. And, but I get it because I guess if you deal with just enough horse shit, you just get tired of being in the stall. You're like, man, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done cleaning shit, you know? And so he does. But it's definitely different. And we're all different people nowadays.
0: No doubt. Um, So I want to talk about WEC. And um, I loved WEC. And I I know a lot of people love WEC. Um, It was kind of like an even cooler alternative to to the UFC back in like 2010, 2009, 2010, 2011, man. I think it was cooler than Strike Force, if you want my opinion. I, I mean, and I, I felt like there was even bigger names in Strike Force to a point. But what you guys had was like an edgier feel. It was different. It was you as Uriah, Leonard Garcia. Leonard Garcia was my guy, man. Yeah. I loved honest. watching Leonard Garcia. Bomb-filter. Bomb-filter. <laughs> you had to fight that guy. Yeah. Uh Jose Aldo, obviously. Uh, what was the vibe like with that show? Because obviously you were in the UFC, UFC champion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we know how big UFC is, but Was it cooler being in the WEC? Was it a better vibe being in WEC? Because you were like top shit in WEC, like one of the pillars of WEC.
1: What I liked was I liked being able to finally go down to 145. Even though I'm the godfather of the the lightweight division, I created 155 pounds because I just didn't want to fight at 170 because... Pat Militich and Matt Hughes are way too big. I don't of want to course. fight guys like that. So the fact that they could give me 155 pounds, I was happy. But then when the W.C. came around, and I knew that they were they were they were getting or uh, bought out or purchased by the U.F.C., but they stayed at the W.C. for a while. I like, well, can I find it? Can I go down? Because when I did the Ultimate Fighter, and I got to see Nate and all these kids, Corey Hill, May Rest, yeah. in Peace, Brandon Melendez, Gray Maynard, all these guys. I'm like. Okay, I'm not a 55 pounder no more. It's <laughs> Lord, it's nice and big. And I was like, can I please go down to the WC? And I asked. And one of the things I loved is yeah, I, they were all out there. They, they finally, it's like, all right, the little guys finally get to shine. And we, get, to, we, we yeah. get this UFC label kind of back behind us. We're getting moved into Vegas. And everything's about being in Vegas, right? The five capital of the world. We get to be yeah. in Vegas. We get to do this. And, you know, and everybody got to tear it up. And what the heartbreaker was to me, and I always say this to this day, was when people ask me, I go, look, the UFC is a monster. The UFC has done a, such a great job of building their brand. They're amazing at it. But MMA as a whole needs a hug. People are like, what are you talking about? You don't even know what you're saying. I'm like, Really? And I go, give me an example. The WC would have never closed. You know how many of those fighters you love now? How many of those fighters are top shelf, grade A, super fighters, main eventers? You know how many of those fighters were down there in a sport that had no crowd and had and we had had to close down because they couldn't generate the numbers? They couldn't get the, the crowd because everybody knows. The UFC. Everybody knows now. You got a Bellator, and you got one FC, and you've got other organizations. That, but I'm saying back then, you know, what I mean, that's where what I'm always saying is MMA itself still needs a hug. MMA is not big. People do a great job of building their brand, and their brand gets big. But I loved it down there because it was just it was it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot more back to what I liked, like like close. Even the venues, you know, what I mean, the the, the Hard Rock. And yeah. the, um, at the Palms, the per, what, uh, I think the Pearl, yeah. the way that were set up, you know what I mean? It wasn't in the big videos Then with me and Uriah, you know, we finally got to take this thing to a level of, like I said, I think 200,000 people probably watched the biggest WC show, four or five million watched me and Uriah. And you know yeah. what I mean? And we got did this crossover. So... You know, to know that I got to go down there and once again help pioneer the forty-five, the thirty-five, the twenty-five pounders, you know, I mean the smaller guys, and I got to finally go down to my forty-five pound division. It was awesome to see all those guys go over to the UFC and the fans really embrace them, right? And that's what I'll always remember about the WEC was how amazing it was! How great the fighters were! How good the show was! Like the first time when me and Ryan, when Ryan and I fought on that versus, and yeah. they did those little um, the little fight breakdowns, the little episodes that they did. The guy's yeah. voice—it was incredible, man. I, I was I was like, oh my! This guy was it was awesome to see him build. Right, and yeah. that was one thing. So I loved watching that. You know, pioneering that as well. And but it was it was. Some of the funnest times I ever had was being in W.C. I loved it, man. I just love being around all these youngsters. I still remember looking down, having a question about how many more fights you're going to have. I go, I'm going to have just enough to retire before that guy right down there comes up. Like when it was Jose Aldo, I'm like, I'm not looking forward to youngsters like this. I go, no. by the time they get up there and ready, for fight, ready to fight for the title, I plan on being done. Right. So it was cool just to see the magnet, like how much it's turned around, how much it's you know progressed, how the fighters this day and age, the younger fighters. Because I used to tell people at the time, look, be scared of the second grader and the third grader that are watching me right now. Be scared of the ones that are watching my career, because in my time, most of them, we had full time jobs and we tried to be a fighter on the side. But no. be scared of the kids that get to finally say, oh, I want to be an MMA fighter. And they get to do all these classes now as youngsters coming up. And that's what I say. I'm looking down at Josie Alder. Yeah. I don't want to fight people like that. Yeah. You know, that's, okay. uh, that's a new era.
0: I got to jump in on this because uh, you, you kind of, it seems like you have a different view that I just had an interview with Phil Barone, uh, which <laughs> was entertaining. Uh, <laughs> to say the least. You, gotta, you don't even know what to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you after this, <laughs> but anyways, um, so his take, when I was bringing up, you know, this, the new kind of the new generation of fighters and how these guys learn everything all together, they go into an MMA gym and it's not a guy that's just a wrestler or just a boxer. It's they're learning everything right out of the gate. And he cut me off immediately and said, he goes, you know, you, everybody thinks this new generation's better, you know, but you know, guys like Mark Coleman, who was, you know, uh, an Olympic champion, you know what I mean? Like we're talking about all Americans and college champions, NCAA champions, you know, blah, 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 blah. He goes, these guys were way better than these guys that are coming up with just a little bit of jujitsu or just a little bit of wrestling that they learned at the MMA school, et cetera, et cetera. What's your take on that? Do you feel like this next generation of of stars really is, I, I honestly, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but are they more of a superior like athlete or an MMA fighter than, you know, your generation coming up? I mean, can you, well, do you really okay, feel that let,
1: way? Let's do this. Well, we'll, we'll say like this. I get asked okay. all the time, being the original UFC world champion, the 155-pound godfather, the guy who started the weight class, and they said this, do you think the, the champion you were then, could you be Khabib now? And I was like, I go, you know what? Here's the deal. I would have to, we would find out because I was the best in the world at one time at 155 pounds. A champion mindset is exactly that. Okay, the score, the score has changed, the field has changed, the way they play the game has changed. Sure. But a champion mindset is a champion mindset. If you were to, project me at 28 years old and throw me to this day and age that champion mindset still going to be the champion mindset and that's what i try to tell people take comfort in what you did you were the best at what you were with what was there with what you did that champion mindset rose you to the top so there's it's a two it's it's completely. would you be able to hang with these guys of course If I was a youngster, because I had that champion mindset, a world champion mindset isn't anything, in any field, whatever people do in their career. It's just they're willing to do the extra. They're willing to bleed. So if I was, if, if this day and age with the people that can sit there and they go to this class, this class, this class, well, because I had a champion mindset, I got on a train for two and a half days, gave up everything I knew and moved out to Iowa. Yes, I was committed. And that's what people need to understand. It's Would you be committed enough to learn the same things now that you would have learned back then? And that's, I think people look at it differently. Don't try to be, be proud of what you did with the time that you had, because sure. you rose above the majority of the people that didn't have that mindset. Don't get called pulled into could this person because yes you could why because the mindset is exactly that i know plenty of people who thought they were going to do this thought they were going to do that and never amounted to anything because it was just too much work no matter sure. what it is we can go back to the the whole idea of the youtubers and everything else the ones that put in the work and do the background and do the work you know i'm in mean, that mindset The extra, the running, the quiet hours, the lonely hours, the last one in the gym. You know what I mean? The first one to show up, the ones that are running and all this stuff. Point is, yeah, they're doing different things now. What they're doing now, which I love more than anything, is they have the ability to fight more. In my time, six, seven shows a year. That's it. Even as a champion. They would let us fight in other organizations because they didn't have enough shows. But to be able to fight once a month, twice a month, oh my God, could you imagine Jeremy Horn who managed to do it back then and fought every weekend? I mean, yeah, he could tough. fight every weekend in the UFC would blow people's minds. But what I'm saying is having that mindset to get out there and fight. We would all be a whole bunch of little Hamzat Chimievs in my group, in the military's crew. We would all be ready to fight because we yeah. fought on short notice. We fought whenever they told us to, right? So that's one thing that I think like even Baroni. Something. take pride in what you did because you no matter what the era that kind of mindset to be able to step above the the majority of the of the pack says something and that's why they're even asking so i have no i mean i don't even compete and, and try to be could i when people ask that question i'm like of course i would because i planned on being a world champion i planned on being one of the best in the world when i was in my prime and in my time no, i mean no
0: that's no, perfect answer, and I, I, a little motivational stuff in there too, man. You ought to be doing uh, speeches all over. Well, the place. That's what I
1: do. That's what my stream is every day. Literally, my stream is yeah. me speaking, and it's also the way that people bring me their fights. I break them down. Now that's taken on. I I do Twitch TV slash. I do the UFC stream as well. Yeah, I we do the same thing. We break them down Mondays. I'll be watch, like I'll watch the fights on Saturday, break them down on Monday. So. That's what I'm doing is I'm learning how to be a coach, but I'm not ready to be in the game because like for most people, retirement is, you know, they stop doing things. For me, retirement's going to be really, really, really busy because I guarantee yeah. before I'm done, I'll have 10 world champions before I get to leave this early. I will train 10 world champions. But for me is right now is my downtime. So I want to be around my children. I don't want to yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, and that's where I love this platform. And we go back to what we were talking about with COVID and all that. This has really given me a great – it just helps me because I just want to be – I'm on my stream. People bring me every that like, you should be a coach. I go, what do you think I'm doing right now? I'm talking. You should be a motivational speaker. What do you think I'm doing right now? But I'm yeah. just doing it on Twitch, right? And that's what I mean. So it gives me a chance. I get to be around my kids, do what I love. I'm around fighting again. I learned how to let go. I'm sure you'll probably ask that. I learned how to let go, you know, and that's what helped me with retirement. It saved me this, this stream. People giving me their time and wanting to come in and just hear me talk. If there's nothing, I mean, you know how many people wish and would. you know, I mean, people give me their time. And so, yeah, so I've become, I've basically become an online coach. When people come into the stream, anything they ask, I answer, you know what I mean?
0: Well, I would say, I would say that once things uh, loosen up, because they will eventually uh, get, get Brian there to make sure he gets you on a circuit to where you're actually talking in person in front of groups as well, because that that can go a long way, man. People need oh, yeah, stories it. like yours that aren't even in the MMA field that have nothing to do with fighting. You know what I mean? Whether it be a football player, whether it just be somebody that's trying to figure themselves out, man. I mean, you got a lot of wisdom there and uh, it could go a long, long way. Well, please. Yeah, Well, yeah. But, you know, I I just think it'd be real beneficial for you and for a lot of people out there. Um, One thing I do want to bring up, though, before we kind of close things out. One thing that you've had on your stream a lot and that you kind of have a little connection with is uh, street beefs. Um, Yeah, I love it. I, I love Street Beefs. Oh, you're my, wearing the shirt. I got, oh, damn. I got,
1: I got my sweatshirt on.
0: I love it. I love it, man. Street Beefs is cool. And, uh, you know, because I, I know me personally, I'm constantly looking for something different when it comes to MMA. I've been doing this for right out about a decade as far as doing broadcasting and commentary and ring announcing and all this stuff. And anytime I see something that's different, has a different feel to it, has a different aspect of the sport, I get real excited. So, Street Beefs, I think, is is super rugged, super cool. The only thing I wish is I wish they had like maybe some commentary or just something, just a little bit more production to it to make it a little bit more fun and just a little bit more packageable. Cause I think it could be all over the place. Cause I think it's a really neat thing, but maybe because it is what it is, maybe it should only be on YouTube and should be a viral thing. Maybe that's all it should be. Maybe to keep it, you know, you know, cool or whatever, um, more original. What do you think about the product, man? Obviously you endorse it. You're wearing the shirt. I've seen you on some of the videos. You have it on your stream all the time. What do you think about Street Beefs, just in general? What's so cool about this everywhere. product? I think it should be everywhere. It and should be everywhere. I agree. I
1: was that kid. I grew up badly abused. At one point, I had a shotgun shoved in my mouth, and my father said, choose. Choose whether, who lives and who dies and decided I wasn't worth the bullets and beat me with the shotgun. Yeah. So I had... You know, I, I, I've i been around, I was abused, I was angry, I was doing a lot of street fighting, you know what I mean, when I was coming up, but then one of the things was, I would also walk around with a pair of boxing gloves, and I, I started getting the sport, once I seen the UFC, I wanted to get my little group together, and we wanted to start boxing, and stuff like that, what I love about street beefs is, more than anything was, the way that it was there to settle beefs, and I want people to understand fighting is, they've got it so scary. And people, Hollywood, people are so, so scary that kids who are getting picked on and messed with, they got to go get a gun. They're so scared to go back to school, to go get a gun and do something drastic. God forbid yeah. they kill themselves, but God forbid they kill someone else and they take away. You know what I mean? I want people to understand is the day I started fighting is the day I stopped fighting. What I mean by that is the day I got in that cage, it became a sport. It became a game. And what I started watching when it came to street beefs, I watched these kids go in there. Some of them had beefs. Some of them just wanted to see what it was like. And they got addicted. And like, oh, my God, I love this. And then they come back. So what are they doing? They're going home, and they're building their own little makeshift gyms. They're going in there, and yeah. they're doing this. And they're now they have a place to go to kind of settle their th- that little feeling of, quote, unquote, wanting to be tough or learning how to be tough. Or And the reason is what's happening is they're, it's becoming a game and they come back again next month and they got their little outfit they got their gimmick you know what i mean and they've got the stars in their eyes
0: and got the nicknames you know, got to have love. the nickname. Yeah.
1: No, but I love it. I love that. It's yeah. like I said, we call it an exhibition and I'm like, oh, I got to be out there. And so I got, I got to meet him. So I met face and I went out and I went to my first street beefs. And you know, the first time I got there, I brought a bodyguard with me, so to speak. I brought somebody with me. And I'm like, I'm, not, I'm going out to a little fight club by myself out there. I'm like, <laughs> you are out your mind. I'm just going to show up. Everyone's going to try to take a shot at me. So I was all scared. Right. But when I got there, it was exactly what I thought it would be, what I've always seen it would be. And it was something that I was like, this is perfect give these kids a place where they can go out there and hold themselves accountable. The accountability is everything. You know what makes it scary? It's really easy to go to a bar, get drunk, someone say something and you beat each other up and God forbid you're fighting on the concrete, you pick him up, you take him down, he hits his head, he never wakes up. You're looking at eight years in prison or you're so scared you got to go get a gun and you got to shoot somebody or you get five of your homies and you go in and you're going to bash somebody and beat him up or run him over, hit him with the car, whatever because you're so afraid of it. But that accountability but really what you find out what's really really scary is when you go out there with the referee you show up in that cage you hold you go out there and you do the best you can and people are allowed to have an opinion that's the scary part the accountability so that's what makes you get up makes you start training or it makes you start having excuses and i love it because i think it should be everywhere I think everywhere, because yeah. whether or not people are like, oh, you're promoting fighting. I'm not promoting fighting. What I am is keeping people off the concrete. I'm keeping people, I'm holding them accountable. If you really do have a beef, step into this cage with a pair of gloves, box it out for a couple of rounds with the referee, with the medic. If you get bleeding, we stop it. It's over. It's done. You know what I mean? You have, If you guys want to do MMA rules, if you truly do have a beef, when it's over, it's over. There is no retaliation. There is no coming back and shooting somebody because you think you got embarrassed, or you got wronged or whatever it is. You go out there and there is nobody your friends can do nothing but cheer. And so I think that should be everywhere. I think, I think should be. And that's why I was like, you know what? This is the level that I love because I am going back to when I was in high school. And right. I remember right when me and my, ba- my middle brother, parted ways. I remember when he went after the racetrack, when he went after the gangster life, when he went after the violence on the streets, and I went after the competing in the cage or in the ring or on the mat. And I wanted to make my mother smile and he wanted to go out there and and just make a name. And now like I said, he's serving 55 years in prison. I wish to God we had a street lease growing up because I was trying to create that box my friends at the garage. Because here's the deal, you can be in a gym and you can box the same people over and over and over. And it's like a video game. You know, you get a res if you were to get, you know what I mean? You can always yeah, dance back up. So there's nothing to, ca- nothing to do it. What's really scary is you go out there against somebody you've never met before and you stand there face to face. But now you have a referee and you have a crowd and it got, oh, here comes the worst part, you have a camera. Someone's recording it. Now, wow. pardon my language, but now shit gets real. And yeah. now you got, you're feeling that anxiety of what it's like to step out there in front of millions hundreds of thousands, a live crowd of 60,000. I mean, the scariest part is the opinions that come afterwards from yeah. your family, from your friends. And that's what I love about this. And there really should be something at level. So I just want to, I go out, like I, I'll go out there. I know there's no events now, but I'm still going out to say hi. to some of them. So is just to be able to go back and just be a mentor and just to have somebody like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not a big deal, but they're out there finding a street. Like, oh my God, Jens Pulver's just sitting here watching us. My like, guess, because you're trying to make a sport out of it. And that's what I love. You're not, again, you're not out there on the streets trying to down each other, trying to rob people, doing this stuff. Yeah. But you know what I mean? So that's why, but that is why I support it. And I want them to understand that's how proud I am of them because, again, they do want to fight, but they're going to do it in an aspect that, I mean, it's fair. It's even, yeah. it's equal. And so that's what I love about them even being able to create this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then again, They get taught all the time. Do not read the chat on, don't read the comments on YouTube.
0: Never that.
1: Never that. (laughs) Well, you know what? Because back in the day, the, the, the underground forum and stuff like that,
0: Shout-out out to Kirik, the oh, UG.
1: I couldn't, yeah, right? I couldn't wait back to get to the Underground Forum and read what people had to say. and You know, it's it, like, F this. And even during my fighting career, that's why my... Um, <laughs> at one point, I had a big Instagram following, and I deleted it. And then I got kicked off of Facebook for a long time, booted away from Twitter, because everybody... The first... Sean, talk, a friend of mine told me this later, but like there could be ten good things said, but that one negative, I'm like, oh, I'm going, I'm going to find them. I want, I'm going to find them. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> that accountability, so we have to teach them young. Don't just don't read the comments, no matter Leave, what. Especially, but,
0: man, YouTube's like, whoo. Well, Ooh, I've never seen. It's like they crawl out of the sewer and get to a keyboard and start saying shit. It's, well, it
1: just goes to show you worst. what they can do with that anonymity, and it's kind of like what Mike Tyson oh, yeah. said about social media: is it, it got people really? They it, it taught them how to get really comfortable and not worry about the repercussions. You don't have to worry about getting popped in the face. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things. And it's a sad thing because the other thing I love about shoot things is I want these kids to understand is I mean, even I know it affects me, it affects a lot, of, even on the streams, like you said, you, it's not, you don't want to read it, you know, yeah. that anonymity, and but it really does get to some kids, and God forbid, it, 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 it really controls them, Absolutely. and they do something stupid, and I, I mean, like I said, you know, like, even to the point where they take their own life, yeah. I mean, I think about that, I think about my cousin who killed himself when he was 16, I never understood it, you know what I mean, but it's like, they they just, they take that shit to heart, part of my language, and it's one of the things You learn that there's so much more about it. But if you don't learn how to be your own best friend, it doesn't matter. And you got to learn how to turn it off because this day and age, it's a lot worse than in my day. I just had to go home. I just didn't have to pick up the phone. Right. But now it's everywhere. Social media, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. So you have to learn how to be your own best friend. You have to learn to go out there and put a smile on your own face and even that scale a little bit because otherwise you're in trouble. If you let the negative naysayers say what they're going to do, they'll do it just because. You know, I mean, they'll yeah, do it course. just because, why not? Everybody's saying good things. Well, I'm just going to go in there and I'm just going to be the piss. And, you know I mean? I'm going to be the vinegar. Why not? Because yeah. they just want to.
0: Oh, yeah. And there's a whole generation of these kids that that are that are doing it. And it's uh, it's too bad, man. It really is. And, and I agree with you, man. You hate to see. You, how would you want that on your conscience that something you said, just trying to be an asshole or be a troll or whatever, and somebody take their life. I mean, that's bananas, man. Like to have that on your conscience. I can only imagine, man. Uh, it's crazy. Um, last thing I want to, I want to ask you real quick. Why are you not in the UFC hall of fame yet? What's, what's going on with that? It's not my turn. You know, I don't know. It's it's weird, man. It just, it just seems like, you know, the the place that you had and what, what you did. And there's obviously a lot of guys that aren't in yet. Um, that being said, um, you, is there, you, like you said, you feel like it's just not your turn right now or, or do you feel like there's anything else? Like, is No,
1: you know. I don't think there's, I can't, I can't imagine anything else other than, you know, people always want to talk about the losing streak I went on at the end of my career. And if that really, that's great because that's not what I'm going in for. That's not what, that's not what I want people to remember me for yes, I wanted to, I I was just like anybody else. I'm not ready. I wasn't ready for the athlete to die yet. It was tough dealing with that. I was hard. I just wanted to figure out what was going on, why I wasn't winning, you know, the little things like that. I wanted to go back and win and compete. But what I did do is, and that's what, again, I love doing the streams and stuff is I created a weight class that wasn't even there. I had to fight at no weight class, no rules. And I used, like I said, I used to fight for videotaping. VHS to where I finally go into tournaments to fight at 170 to where I finally got to create this division, this 155 pound division. As of right now, it's probably, I would say it's the King. It's the King yeah. of all of them. Right uh, it has I'm been going, for a
0: long time. I'm one the of the deepest divisions. On the
1: 155 pound division. And you know, it's one of those things that I don't want that to be taken away one way or another, whether or not, if I ever do get in, then great. If I don't, I, but I honestly, it's like people ask like, what did you do? What have you done? Why? Like, did you, did you shoot somebody? Did you put somebody off? I'm like, I didn't do anything. But every year that they do this, you know, it's, I, I, the only thing I can say is I love and appreciate everybody that brings it up. And you like everybody that brings it up. Thank you, because uh, to feel relevant, that means a lot. Because the last yes. thing I want to be doing is sitting there campaigning for myself, which is what yeah. I will never do, because I don't believe that. But I do love that people take the time to say, why aren't you in there? You know, it means a lot. And all I can do at the end of the day is, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I can't take away what I've done. You don't, don't. I will never let anybody ever try to take away what I created because I'm the one that went through it. I know the story. I can tell it to the T. I don't make it up. I don't exaggerate. It's always consistent. It'll always be there. I am the godfather of the 155-pound division. I pioneered the little guys. I started out to do something like that. It was a nightmare. I got picked on. I got made fun of. I got ripped on for throwing away my quote-unquote life because I wanted to go out there and chase this dream. And I did. And to see it now and to see all these guys, I remember one of my goals. I never wanted to hear somebody say that they're too small to be a fighter. And the way that we're going, that's never going to be the case. So whether or not I get in and whether or not, you know, that pioneer wing never has my plaque on there, doesn't matter. I still did what I did. And as long as they don't try to take that away, then
0: I'm okay. I think, I think, I think you're pretty safe on that, man. Well, uh, I I do appreciate it, Jens. And uh, this has been an awesome uh, interview, just uh, really, really good stuff. And uh, anybody out there that's watching this right now, man, you got to check out Jens. He's on Twitch doing his thing. He's, Watching fights. He's commenting on fights. He's stopping the fights. He's talking everybody through it and educating folks. And uh, and it's really, really good entertainment. So uh, get on to twitch.tv backslash Jens Pulver. Check him out. All the, uh, what do you got? IG, you got Facebook. I'm sure you got a little bit of everything. Instagram
1: is my favorite. So it's Instagram at Jens Pulver. Okay. Twitter, I don't even mess with because that's Jens underscore Pulver. Someone stole my name a long time ago. Come Facebook, on. I'm still around, but yeah.
0: Well stay a, safe out there Jens man. Thank you so much for giving us the time and uh, enjoy, enjoy your time there in Virginia.
1: All right, bro. thank you very much. I appreciate everybody. Have a good one Thank there you it is.
0: So there's Jens Pulver, Ron Uncut, and I love that interview and Jens is like a lot of guys that I've interviewed that I've never met before that maybe have a stigma about them that I'm able to unlock some things about them and really learn about their lives. I, I kind of got that same feeling from Bob Sapp. I really enjoy connecting with Bob um, about with Tank Abbott as well. Um, we get real comfortable and we really dig into some interesting issues and I love that. So find Jens wherever you can. This guy is everywhere on social media and is big on Twitch. So get to twitch.com slash or you could check out Jens when he takes over the UFC stream. So, you know, UFC and Jens Pulver kind of coming back together in a different fashion is awesome because, you know, like I talked about in the interview, I want to see him in the Hall of Fame. And as humble as Jens is, he deserves that spot. What an impact he made in the business. So one more thanks to Jens Pulver. So let's uh, let's get to the future, right? Let's talk the future, what's next. And, uh... I'm going to hit you with a couple more legends. I, I can't help myself. We are going to hit you with a UFC Hall of Famer in Pat Militich, the Croatian sensation, my broadcast partner on the XFC, on Fox Deportes, on Fox Sports 2, on the Fox Networks. So, you know, I have great rapport with Pat, fellow Iowan. So we got that going on. But also throw this in there. How about El Guapo, Boss Rutan, one of the most dangerous but nicest guys in the business, probably in the world, because he is one of the sweetest, nicest, funniest guys, but he can absolutely destroy you. I mean, one of the most vicious strikers that has ever been in combat sports, Boss Rudin, Pat Miletic on the same podcast next week, but that's not all. I want to give you another bonus episode. I can't help myself. So, Check it out. Tuesday, I'm going to give you a bonus. I am going to give you Royce White. And you're like, I'm a fight fan. I'm a wrestling fan. I don't know who Royce White is. Royce White is a former lottery pick in the NBA draft that was basically blackballed from professional basketball. And a lot of people think it was just because he couldn't fly, that he had anxiety issues. Well, now he is becoming an MMA fighter. In fact, his MMA debut is coming up very, very soon in June. I think I have an idea where it's going to be. I can't release that information yet. That being said, Royce White, former NBA player, former lottery pick in the NBA draft, former Houston Rocket, turned MMA fighter. That is your bonus episode. And I'm telling you, we get into a lot of crazy stuff when we're talking to Royce White. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. Royce White, bonus episode. Then Boss Rutten and Pat Militich, all right here on In This Corner. Big shout out to my guy, my producer, Mr. Nick Rogers, who does all the dirty work with all this audio. Big shout out to him. Follow us on In This Corner at In This Corner MMA on all your social media platforms. And then make sure you subscribe and leave those reviews, they mean a lot to us. So there it is Pat Militich, Boss Rutan. Coming up next on our next huge episode and Royce White as a bonus. I'm Cyrus Fees. We'll see you next time right here on In This Corner.